Welcome listeners to the Lust for Life podcast, where you'll be joining a girl on her journey to discovering the depths of emotional intelligence. This is your host, Tennessee Reed. Welcome back, everyone. We're so happy to have you back, and I hope you had a wonderful week. Today, we have an awesome production for you. We are interviewing one of the BYU women's soccer players and top women's soccer players in the nation, Brecken Mozingo. She is a baller on the field and even more of a baller off the field. She is a dedicated woman to her sport and her life and her motivation and her goals. I really want to share her story today because I believe that she has an incredible mindset that we can all learn from. Brecken, would you want to introduce yourself to our audience here tonight? Hello, everyone. My name is Brecken Mozingo, and I'm super stoked to be here and even more excited to share my story. Brecken, thank you again for being here tonight. Everyone is so excited to hear your story, and I'm excited to get started tonight. So I just can't help thinking, with the success of your sport and what you've done in this sport, you have such a big spotlight on you, and you've worked so hard to be there. And you've always had the spotlight since you were at a young age to now because of your work ethic, because of your talent. And throughout these years of soccer, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned on and off the field, just through the mental grind? What have you just really taken home and learned? Um, I mean, there's been a few. I mean, the first one that comes to mind that I didn't like, haven't even been thinking of since before being asked to be on this podcast and kind of being introduced to the topic, but it was exactly what kind of you just started talking about was being the spotlight all growing up, I guess. That was something that was kind of a difference for me. Like just hearing you say that I was a spotlight, like I never really, I think the key to that was like, I never really viewed myself as a spotlight, if that makes sense. So I always just thought um, like this is just my sport. It's my job to work hard. It's my job to grind obviously there's going to be ups and downs throughout the whole journey but I never ever like really viewed myself as a spotlight and I think that's probably one of the keys to like maybe some of my success obviously I'm not where I want to be yet and I'm at the age of 22 right now but I say that was or I would say that that's probably the first one that comes to mind and then the second one is just one that I had to just swallow a pretty big pill on was I have to make choices and decisions for myself that will affect my mentality and my mental health best because I know myself the best. Like it's not my parents, it's not my brothers, my siblings, my coach, my teammates. I'm the one who needs to make decisions for myself that will impact me in the future. And I know where to place myself. I feel like everyone has that kind of natural intuition of, I know I'm going to be successful if I put myself in this position. And if other people kind of deter you from that choice that you're wanting to make, then it's kind of like you hit, um, you know, trials or you hit maybe unexpected pathways and stuff. So I think that was probably the second thing that I learned that you, got, you just have to make decisions for yourself and ride the wave out. And sometimes the, the wave's going to be a little bit rough and bumpy in the beginning, but then, you know, you keep going and you're able to then catch your balance and ride the wave. But I think the third thing, I definitely would say just expecting failure along the way. Learning to love failure is probably the third thing that I could say was the biggest impact or that has had the biggest impact on my life throughout my like athletic 
um, life and just like just on and off the pitch, learning to love failure has, like gets you to where you want to go. So it's interesting that you say that because those concepts that you spoke of are concepts that you can totally take into like your real life outside the field. That first concept of you not even knowing you're in the spotlight tells me that you were in your own lane. You had those blinders on and you had no idea what was going on around you because you didn't care. You had your dream and you're going to go get it. And I think I know that is a big leadership skill of yours. And it's it's hard to not care what others think of you. It's hard to not bring value to the validation of others. And hearing you speak about that first uh, truth of yours and that first thing that you've learned, the biggest lesson you've learned, tells me that you're really, really good at that. And that's a really impressive skill to have. That's a skill that I'm still working on and I'm better at it some days than others. And something else that you said that spoke out to me was embracing the failures because failure is expected. I have a question for you about that. Was that always a skill of yours or did you learn that recently? I feel like it's really hard to learn that failure is part of the process and it's really discouraging. So is there a specific time that you learned this concept or embraced it? Um, shoot. I think it has definitely developed more since I've been on my own in my college career. I think when I was younger, trying to live to the standards or the high standards of not only myself, but my parents. And I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, and there was high expectations of that as well. And just trying to, I don't know, make everyone happy around me, even including myself. And I think that kind of led me on a path of perfectionism. But come like just learning about it, like especially this last season, um, I was having I was struggling kind of a lot because I knew it was my senior season. Last year I got second team all American. I wanted to do better than that. It was like why I, I have one more year. I can't not do better than this, especially if I personally don't do as good as this year, I'm gonna feel like a failure. And even if I was, then it was like, okay, accept it and move on. But this season, especially, I had all these high expectations at the beginning of the year. I was like, I want to be first team All-American and I want to go in the first round. Uh, I want to be a first round draft pick. And those were the two main things I set my eyes on at the beginning of season. And throughout season, game by game, I just kept on feeling unsatisfied with how I was playing. I was feeling very like I wasn't achieving what I was meant to be. And I just felt like I was, I was underperforming and I'd never had satisfaction like in, like didn't even like feel like I was playing for the love of the game just because I had like such high expectations and goals for myself. And it came to the point where we made it to the big 12 tournament and I talked to my coach. I just kind of released that information to one of my coaches. I mean, my mental strength coach, talking to her throughout the season, she knew exactly where I was mentally and knew exactly what I was stressing over and all of that stuff. But as soon as Big 12 tournament hit, which was end of, I think it was the first week of November or end of October, um, I released some of that information of kind of my struggles to one of my assistant coaches. 
and he sent me a video called you're not a perfectionist you're just scared and I've always been like a kind of a scaredy cat in my life like I've always been like okay I'm very calculated in my decision making and a little bit on the cautious side the reserve side wanting to know exactly how it would end up but my coach sent me that YouTube video and I watched it and the basic outline of it was create or no, it was turn up, create and publish. And it was a videographer and he was just talking about how he was scared to produce a movie. And he ended up producing a movie with just like some regular film cameras and some of his friends to produce the movie. Nothing that Hollywood would produce, nothing that they really, they didn't have all the equipment that Hollywood did and all that stuff. And their main emphasis and like their main message was turn up, create and publish. And like t- turning that to not only like athletics, but um, life in general it is our job to turn up, which is just show up and then create, AKA just make or do what you can. And then publish is just submit what you have whether it's a final paper, you don't know if you're going to get 100% on it or showing up, like in my case, going to the game and just taking how I've prepared and going into that game with confidence and then leaving the game just happy with what I brought to the game in that moment, you know? Like showing up as I was, playing, working as hard as I could, and then just submitting what I had. I don't know. He just sent me that, and that kind of changed the course of things a little bit for me. And then, I mean, at this convention that I was just barely at, they were mainly emphasizing my end-of-the-season performance, which was five goals, five assists. And they were like, that was basically what they were emphasizing. And I'm just like, that was probably the turning point of this season was the Big 12 tournament right when my coach sent that to me of showing up or turning up, creating, and publishing. And so I don't have an exact date that I overcame failure. I think also starting up social media kind of made me get out of my own shell a little bit and just going like, okay, again, you're you're showing up, you're creating and publishing. Like, who cares what people are going to think of you and who cares if this is a pitfall? Shoot. I mean, I started doing this in high school and it was terrible. Like, I wasn't getting any feedback from it. I was posting the craziest stuff posting lots of selfies, whatever it was. I don't even know what I was posting in high school. I look back at them now and I'm like, bro, these are absolutely terrible. But then I just like saw my own evolution in social media. I was like, okay, like I have a niche of being, or I've created a niche of myself or for myself, my own brand, especially with NIL coming up. It's like, okay, I have a niche of being an athlete and a soccer player and a child of God, um, a woman, like those are kind of my niches that are all coming and forming together now. And it's just like, okay, this is what I need to do. And this is what I need to roll with and kind of just make steps in the future with. So I really think the turning point was when I started making decisions in my own life, not under the roof of my parents, not necessarily disregarding how I've been raised or taught, but just having to have that confidence in myself in decision-making. That was a really powerful message that you shared about just showing up and doing your best. And that's all you can do. And I wonder, you answer this for me, did that take the pressure off of those expectations that you had? Because sometimes expectations in my experience can 
like paralyze people. It's it's paralyzing to know that there's this high expectation, whether you think you can reach it or not, it's paralyzing to think that it's there. And once you remove those expectations, you're able to, you know, break through those ceilings. Was that a similar experience of what you're speaking about when you entered that Big 12 tournament? Oh, exactly. I think, especially last year, I had no idea what to expect of myself last year, just in college in general, just because I started on the bench my freshman year. Then I moved into a kind of reserved sub position. Then I went into a game changer position, still being a sub, but a game changer. And then going into a starter that was subbed off halfway through each half and then going into a starting role position my junior year. And it was just like that evolution of myself kind of just, especially my junior year, it really hit. And I was just really considering, okay, I have nothing to lose. Be all in. You have nothing to lose. Play free. Like those were the three main things that I was constantly telling myself. And I think that was when it initially happened. And then this year, realizing what I did last year was when I put really, really strict like expectations on myself. And I, I kid you not, I talked to my coach or my mental coach all the time. And I was like, I would text her sometimes at night or right after a game, like it was 11 p.m. and we're on our charter flight home. And I'm just sitting there with so much anxiety and like being frozen and just sitting there cramping in every muscle, just so tight and restricted, just going like I again, like just unsatisfied and feeling paralyzed with I, I don't know if my performance just like kind of messed me over with what I'm trying to achieve did it possibly set me back did it put me forward like every game I was constantly telling myself I have to produce points and not only that I have to help my team win so that we can you know be placed in a correct spot for the NCAA tournament and then just so that we don't like play you know one of the top dogs first like Stanford or UNC like all those teams and it's like okay how can we put ourselves and what can we do ourselves to put ourselves in the right position in the NCAA tournament? That was constantly going through my head. And yes, there was multiple times where I was paralyzed, where I was just nervous about failure. And then at that Big 12 tournament, it was just like, okay, I have to just, I have to let go. I have to let go at some point because it's not even in my control right now with like those accolades. All I can do is what I can control on the field and off the field in terms of my effort, my attitude and all of those things. That's a really vulnerable thought that you shared. So I really appreciate you sharing. And I think it will help a lot of people who are not on the field, but are paralyzed by their expectations of life. And it's interesting that you bring this concept up because in one of my previous episodes, I did speak about what is meant for me will be for me because I actually have a, I had a similar mindset that you did and it was debilitating. I just was so paralyzed what if I don't get into this program? I worked so hard. I worked tirelessly on my application. I did X, Y, and Z. I have dedicated my life to this. What if I don't get in? Because I'm I'm applying to a nursing doctor program right now. And like I had this, you know, quick thought of, oh my gosh, what if I don't get in? All my plans will be skewed. I have such high expectations for my life. And then it just really brought me peace to know. What is meant for me will be for me and will be given to me by the universe and God. As long as I do my part, as long as I work hard, give it all, then the output is not really in my hands. It's in God's hands. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to embrace failure, but knowing that I did everything I can and this is, this is the result puts me at ease and has taken so much anxiety from me because it is truly debilitating, as you said. And so many people experience this to a point where they don't go after their dreams. They're so debilitated by the thought of failure and what others will think and the the uncertainty of a result that they don't go after their dreams, which is way worse than failure. Failure at least lets you take that first step and lets you learn. Failure is the best lesson, which is unfortunate. It hurts sometimes, but it's the best lesson. And so I always just tell myself, what is meant for me will be for me as long as I do my part. So if I don't get into this nurse practitioning program, then we'll find another way and we'll figure out my path of life because what if that's not meant for me? And this plan, I will someday realize what the algorithm really was. I may not know it right now, but I'll see that big picture, you know, a few years from now, hopefully, and maybe I never will, but it just takes off so much pressure of failure and expectation when you just let it be as long as you do your part. And I do have a question for you. Um, does it take work? every day to kind of remind yourself of get rid of the expectations. Cause for me, I feel like I have to be like, I have to remind myself. Sometimes I get caught up and my heart starts racing. And then I just have, I have to do the work every day to remind myself to get rid of those expectations. Is that a similar case for you? Oh yeah. I mean, um, with what I've learned through, because I took a class at BYU that kind of went over or was taught by Craig Manning, a guy who wrote Fearless Minds. It's a book and it, his curriculum is fantastic. In the past years, I've been testing it and doing it within my season and within every practice and all of that. Not necessarily writing it down. Some people have to write it down. I subconsciously and consciously try to work on it. But it's basically the idea of when you're in the past, it's going to bring about guilt and anger. And when you're in the future, it's going to bring about worry, distress, and stress in general as well. And if you're in the present, you're at that peace. Like you have peace and you have calmness and tranquility. And it's a very wonderful feeling once you let go of what happened yesterday and you're not focused on what's happening tomorrow. So essentially, it's the overall idea of just being all in in what you're doing in this present moment. There's multiple times throughout season that I would just ask myself when I was getting too ahead of myself, like I was in warm-ups, we started just jogging and getting the muscles loose and warming up the body where I'd start thinking about the game. And that wasn't what I was doing in that exact moment. So then what I would do to reel myself back in was to just ask myself, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? What do I see? I see the grass. It's green. I see myself walking. How am I walking right now? How am I moving these muscles to get myself to take one step in front of the other? These type of questions brought myself back to exactly what I was doing, which was the warm-up, jogging, stretching my quad out, um, stretching my, like, my hamstrings out. That question and staying in the present was such a huge thing for me to just realize 
like, okay, even with the goals that I have, even the possibility of failures, if I'm present in this moment, then I know I'm going to give everything I have within this moment to be as successful as I can, regardless of the factors and the possibilities that could come into play. You know, it could start raining middle of the game. Who cares if you're focused on that 44th minute and you end the half, then it's like, okay, you now can reset your mind and then still be present. Like, okay, I'm still taking, it's still a two-touch game. You know, you're taking your first touch and then you're passing the ball or you're making a simple connection to your forward, like in the game of soccer. And so I think that has been the biggest thing from Craig Manning that I've taken into my game and just the overall emphasis on cues. Cues are just simple instructions that you tell yourself. And some that I gave myself this season were, you don't want to give yourself too many, but I had three and one was engaged defender. One was two touch. And then another one was strong on ball. And then I did have a fourth actually. I just remembered that I put on towards the half or the later half of season and it was get in box. So those four things were very simple instructions, right? Engaged defender, two touch, strong on ball, get in box, very simple instructions. It's like coding, like, have you ever coded before? Yes, I had to code for this podcast. Yeah, it's terrible, right? But it's the simplest details. If you get one thing wrong, it screws the whole thing up, right? But the simple details and instructions that you input into the coding, it's the same thing that you're doing with these so-called cues. And I would do that before each game of just coding my brain to those four instructions. And every time it just helped me get like the outcomes that I wanted at the end of the game it was like okay I stayed in the present I was thinking of these four things and these four things only and it helped reel my mind back into the present so often rather than stay in the past of a mistake that I made or go to the future of oh my gosh we're losing one zero are we going to get a goal it kept me solid and firm ground in the present I love that scenario that you just described and it's fascinating how that incorporates to like real life, like everything you just said can just incorporate right into life. And oh yeah, it's like people, and I'm speaking for myself too, get overwhelmed when you think about your end goal. When you think about the whole day as a whole, when you're living in that future, you get overwhelmed. You have to look at the present and enjoy the present. Take that deep breath. Look at the sky. Look at outside. Feel your feet. Live in the present and look one step ahead and continue that one step. Just keep looking at the one step ahead and focus on that one step like you said in the game. And that keeps the anxiety away. And you can accomplish so much by just taking those baby steps Instead of focusing on the future, I feel like that has been a really big uh, thing I've been working on lately because I do have big dreams for myself too. Like you obviously do, and I'm sure you'll accomplish every single one of them and like just kill those dreams. But it's it can be overwhelming, and I may not be ready to accomplish those dreams right now, and that can be scary for me. But knowing that as long as every day. I put my goals on my blackboard, I write them down, and I just focus on one step at a time, then I can accomplish them. And some days I think, oh my gosh, 
how am I even going to get all this stuff done? I have due dates for different things and I have expectations for myself. I'm like, there is absolutely no way. But when you just take those baby steps and just spend your time wisely and be in the present, focus on the task at hand, you can accomplish so much more with so much more quality and you're so much more clarity because you're living in the present. Is that a similar situation that you were feeling like you were describing on the soccer field? Oh, yeah. I mean, were you ever in Mesquite when we would stay at that Virgin River place and we talked about, I think, I can't remember exactly what brand it was, but they kept on saying win the hour. Yes. Do you remember this at all? Okay, backstory. Brecken and I actually played soccer together for many years. Um, But yes, I remember it was some leadership uh group they went to a bunch of high schools Mm -hmm. and they recruited a bunch of athletes to be leaders in their schools and I do remember them it was eyes up do the work yes that was a little wristband that it would say yes but one of their main points was win the hour and I think not only I think that applies to exactly what we're talking about um because obviously everyone who listens to possibly this podcast isn't going to be you know an athlete or a soccer player or um someone who does podcasts, like all those things, you could be a mother and this applies to you or a father, whatever it is, win the hour and being present. That means when your kid comes up to you and starts asking you, Hey, I need help with this like math problem. It's like, okay, you put your stuff down. This is what the present moment is calling you to do. This is what the present moment is calling you into action for. And it's like, How can you win the hour by being the most productive person and having the most high performance minute in the 60 minutes that you have within that hour? And so I don't know. It's just such a calming thing that you can only do what you can do in that minute if you're present. If your mind's elsewhere, that's where you're going to start. Like that's where you're going to have regrets. Those regrets are going to formulate at the end of the end of your night when you're in bed and you're looking throughout the whole day. And you're just going, wow, I disregarded so many things and I just wasn't present with myself. When you're present, you can't really miss anything. So that's another way to just not only on the soccer field, but off the soccer field, in the home, in your career, um, you know, that's how you can win. You can really win and benefit and progress in this life if you just win the minute, win the hour, win the day, whatever it is. I do remember that concept. And I love that you just like triggered like a deep memory of mine because I remember that exact speech (laughs) yeah you guys it was like this like podunk hotel but we had like this like huge like uh discussion about mindset for athletes and it was really powerful it was I'm pretty sure I remember I was like crying during it because I just was like that just hit so deep just win the second and win the hour and I have been reading uh David Goggins book and he discusses like those seconds matter it takes just one second to decide you're gonna quit so don't let that don't let any second win you over Don't let any second thought win you over. Just keep going. And what's important about that that I've learned is you have to have backstops because we are human. We get tired. We're also women and we get emotional. 
So we have to have those backstops. So when we start telling ourselves those lies, when our mind starts telling us those bag of lies of you're not good enough and you're never going to get your dream, you don't have enough energy, you never have enough time in the day. For me, those backstops are going outside and just taking a deep breath of fresh air, going on a walk, reading good material, good books, diving into just really intellectual, stimulating books, moving my body, meditating, just taking a breath and bringing myself back into the present moment, getting blood flow to my brain. Just take yourself out of that triggering situation. Sometimes being at home alone is very triggering for many people because that's where a lot of those anxiety at night come so you have to learn what are your personal backstops when you start to realize that your mind is starting to go down this rabbit hole and telling you bag of lies, then what are your backstops? What are you going to do to keep yourself motivated, remind yourself of the actual truth and keep working towards those goals? Brecken, do you like have any backstops? Like, do you feel like this is a concept that you've like subconsciously used or consciously used? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Just from what I've seen myself do and the tendencies that I have when I am getting overstimulated with work, pressure, stress, whatever it is, I normally just, first off, putting my phone away, that is such a huge thing. That automatically puts me in the present because it's like, I have nowhere else to think but what I'm exactly doing right now, you know? With your phone, you can be planning out your grocery list. You can be planning out um, who's going to be picking up your kid from school. Like, there's so much that goes on on this little device that we hold in our pockets every single day. That is just mind blowing. Our, our, like, even there is something that I saw on Instagram that even if our phones are out in our hands, it takes some of that attention on like away from what we're doing. So if we're having a conversation with someone subconsciously our mind is still somewhat connected to our phone even though we're still talking to the person in front of us and not only that but the person in front of us can also tell that you are not fully engaged with what you're doing if your phone is somewhat in sight so putting my phone away is probably the first thing that I do if I'm realizing that I am being extremely like underproductive or overproductive whatever it is in my mentality physicality whatever and then I would say going outside, I can agree with you on that one. Going outside is a huge one. Just whether it's a walk, I love walks, stargazing, just realizing, I don't know. Like, I think this is probably the first generation that probably didn't have, I mean, still when I was little, we had TVs, of course, but I don't know if we had, probably when I was five or six was when the first iPhone came out. But before that, it was iPods. And I don't know if there was really anything else that was like screen touch, if that makes sense. And I just remember being outside and I feel like reconnecting to like almost your inner child is what are my, like, those are my backstops and what helped me just reconnect with my life and be like, okay, what I'm facing right now doesn't even really matter. Everything that's going on on my phone doesn't even really matter. I'm still living. I'm still breathing. I'm still doing X, Y, and Z. I'm I'm just fine right now. And so working out, obviously, too, that one I can agree with with you on. And also just reconnecting with people. Like, I have three brothers, and 
being to hang out with them is also just another moment that I get to stay in the present with. And so I think those are the main things that I do or have for backstops as well. I can definitely see that hanging out with your brothers is like, I can physically see that connecting your inner child because you had that as a child. So having that experience with them, I am sure connects you really well. And I don't know if you listened to my previous episodes, um, but I actually expound heavily on feeding your inner child and listening to your inner child as the first step to kind of developing emotional intelligence, because without that, we have no like true intuition. We have no true like feeling of ourselves because we're mismatched from our inner child. If we're not feeding that inner child and we're not connected, then it will show down the road. We're going to crumble at some point. So having those backstops, connecting with your inner child, being in the present moment, having a heart of gratitude, being grateful, like you said, for your body to be able to breathe, especially have me having a background as a nurse There are so many medical conditions out there that I am just shocked how well my body is functioning the way it is. And I'm so grateful for that. So just being in the present moment is like a real thing. There's so many different dimensions to that. And it's so important to learn how that works for you because it's different for everyone. And um, I do have a question for you, Brecken. As we're kind of ending this episode here, We've spoken a lot of topics today, really important topics that we've connected athletes to all aspects of life because we think, oh, athletes have such a perfect life and it's hard mentally. And those, those skills that you learn are incorporated into every aspect of life. So if you had one piece of advice for our audience here tonight about building their emotional intelligence and their mental health and being that leader for themselves and others what would that piece of advice be I mean I feel like I've hit on it a couple times but to wrap it up in a nutshell I would just say staying in the present is probably the biggest thing that you can do for yourself to be the most high functioning and best performing human being that you your own personal version of yourself can be and I truly stand by that. And I stand by that in religion, in uh, your goals athletically, in your goals just with your physicality, even your mental being, um, even just your soul in general, regardless of what culture you're in, race, ethnicity, career you have, job you have, um, whatever sport you play whatever role you play in your life, whether it's sister, a brother, a daughter, um, a friend, whatever it is, I think the number one thing you can do for yourself is to find how you can get yourself to focus on, on what you're doing right in this very moment. I think that's the number one thing that I can give to anyone who's listening. I love so much that our um, topic was kind of directed that way tonight because that's just something that I haven't touched on my podcast yet, but it rings so true when you say it. It's like, yes, that just takes so much pressure off of life. And Brecken, I want you to know that you've been such an inspiration for me and so many others. I know you said you didn't realize you were the spotlight, but everyone always knew your name. (laughs) 
everyone always knew who you were. So we all really just love you. And you're such an inspiration. You have that spotlight and you've done such great things with it. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you've represented our church so well. And I'm so excited to see what you continue to do with your career. I know, I know you're going to do great things and you already have. And I'm so excited to follow along that journey with you. Thank you so much, listeners, for joining us here tonight. I hope you took so much of that in, absorbed it like a sponge. The challenge for this week is to stay in the present moment. Whenever you feel anxious, whenever you feel uptight, just take a deep breath. Take Brecken's advice. Start feeling your feet. Start feeling your breath and just be in the present moment. It is deprivating to think about the past and the future all the time. There's a time and a place to reflect and a time and a place to plan, but that should never overtake our present moment. So just live in the present moment this week. Find moments to find that inner peace. And thank you so much for tuning in this week, and we'll see you next week. 